0: welcome to the Summit Church Podcast. We hope today as you listen to this week's content that you grow in your faith and in your relationship with God. Connect more with us by going to ardmoresummit.church and remember to love God, love people, and love life. The message today is this changes everything. There is newness of life in my life, in my world, and I, today I want to talk about the newness of life that Christ gives, and the resurrection shows us really God's heart towards humanity and how if we understand the resurrection, it changes everything. The resurrection is not an additional, add-on, supplemental, peripheral thing that we as Christians can take or leave. No. The resurrection is the core of the gospel, right? The resurrection is the core of the message that we hold as Christians. Because he lives, everything makes sense. Because Jesus is alive, we have a reason to live and to worship the living God. Galatians chapter 2, beginning with verse number, let's say 17, Let's actually start with verse 19. Galatians 2, verse 19, and the Word of the Lord says this, For through the law I died to the law, so that I might live to God. Verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Listen, in the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me, and gave himself for me. Let's pray this morning. Father, I thank you for the gift of your Son. I thank you for sending the Holy Spirit that in the fullness of understanding of the love of the triune God, we stand here today able to receive your blessings. I pray that we understand your heart towards us and that when we look at the cross, And when we look to the empty tomb, we see clearly and decisively what you have done for us, but also what you're going to do in us and through us as we serve you in this world. Be with us today. Be with our kids and us and all those who are listening to this on the podcast. In your name we pray. Amen. So, after Resurrection Sunday, the world was never the same, and it has never been the same, and it never will be the same. To this day, there has never been a Sunday, a Lord's Day as we call it, where God's people have not worshipped him. Since that day, continuously, every Sunday, people have been worshipping Jesus as the I Am, as the living God. Because He lives, because Jesus overcame death and the grave, everything has changed. And today, we simply want to look at what this means for us. If you didn't get a sermon uh, outline, uh, if you didn't get any notes, that's okay because I don't have any, quote, fill in the blanks. Open your phone, uh, open the notes app, something so that you can write some of these things down because I believe they're not only powerful for this moment, but throughout the week you can look back at these and be greatly blessed by them. First of all, how do we know that this changes everything? We need to do something. We need to realize the story we have been caught up into it was a marvelous day when I realized that the world does not revolve around me. Do you remember when you were a kid, you wanted something and you just say, Well, I, I'm supposed to have it because I, I want it. And you ask mom and dad and they say no. And you say, Well, you don't understand. I want it. And they say, No. And you say, No, no, no. You don't understand. I want it. And they say, no, and there's this realization that I'm not in control of everything, right? Some people, by the way, pick up on this sooner than others, but there comes a point when we realize I'm part of another story, other people have interest too. And we realize that we have been caught up into a story that does not include Jonathan as the hero and star of the show. The spotlight does not shine on me. It shines on Christ. And the story of Easter, the story of the resurrection is that we have been caught up into a marvelous story, a love story in which God, the creator of the universe, has said, I am welcoming you into my family. You've been forgiven. You've been adopted. You are now part of my family. Jesus flipped the script. That's what Jesus did on Easter Sunday, and by rising out of the tomb, he flipped the script that death doesn't have the final word. We're not lost in our sins. As Paul the Apostle says in Galatians, I no longer live to that sort of life. I'm in a new story now, and I need to understand the story I've been caught up into. We live in the story of two Adam's. The first Adam, the Bible says, Adam and Eve, of course, God's first creation, his, his, uh, his, the first ones that He created, man and female. And We see that He was the representative for the human race. But the Bible says in 1 Corinthians and in Romans 5 that there is a new Adam on the scene. There's a new Adam. Jesus Christ is called the new Adam, the second Adam. Sometimes he's referred to as the last Adam. And it's important for us to understand the story. You and I were once part of understanding the covenant head, the first Adam. We understand that in him all of us were by nature objects of wrath and enemies of God. That when Adam Took of the fruit, you and I, as his descendants, just as much took of the fruit. In Adam he fell, and so in him we all have fallen. What we sometimes refer to as original guilt or original sin. That's why Paul says, All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Look to your neighbor and says, That means you. Do it. That means you. That means me. That means even from our perspective, the greatest person who ever lived was still fallen. But the good news is that we have another Adam. We have another Adam. Jesus is the second Adam, and in him we have a new covenant head. And why, why the first Adam... We see that we are born of perishable seed. In the second Adam, we are born of imperishable seed. That's why Jesus says, you must be born again. It's a bit of a head scratcher. If you don't understand, he's the second Adam. He says, I've come that you may have life and life to the full. The first Adam disobeyed God concerning a tree. The second Adam obeyed the Father concerning a tree. The first Adam did not protect his bride, who was taken from his side. The second Adam gave his life for his bride by having his side pierced, right? The the first Adam said, sorry God, not your will be done, but my will be done in a garden. But the second Adam, in a garden, said, not my will, but your will be done. We have a new Adam, it changes everything. The story we've been caught up into is not death, but life. You see, Adam's guilt was your guilt, but Jesus' victory is your victory. That's why Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in Me and gave himself up for me. Wow. The tale we've been caught up into, we have to realize the story. We've been caught up into a heroic tale of overcoming death. As I mentioned in our time of communion, we do mourn at loss. Not only physical death, change, the inevitability that things will decay, that our bodies do suffer. And give way. We're not naive. We're not stoic. We understand that death is a monster. Death is a reality. But the point is that although we mourn, we do not mourn as the world does. It's a different kind of mourning. In other words, it doesn't have the final word. No doubt you have seen loved ones, friends, those that you have known, neighbors. You've stared in a casket. You've looked at their earthly body, and you feel the sting of that. By the way, it's supposed to hurt. Do you remember what Jesus did at the grave of his friend Lazarus? The Bible says he wept loudly, angry. Death is not God's original plan but you understand the story we've been caught up into is that God can take the most severe situation and flip it around. (laughs) He can overcome death. It doesn't have the final word. And by the way, hear me today, Jesus' resurrection was not just a neat party trick. Jesus, as God the Son, fully man, truly died. He wasn't 80% gone. He wasn't 99% dead. He, in his humanity, died, tasted death, but it didn't have any lasting effect on him. Isn't that great? So this was not just a party trick. It was the instrument through which God will fulfill all of his promises and bring you and I life. That's a massive implication for how we wake up each and every day. That it the resurrection was the instrument through which God would fulfill all of his promises to you and to me and to our children and their children and for generations to come. Now, <laughs> what does all that mean right here for us today? Well, flip over to the book of Ephesians with me. If you're in your Bibles, turn to the right of book, page or two. Look at Philipp or excuse me, Ephesians chapter number two. If Jesus has reversed death, if we realize the story we've been caught up into, we're we're in a bigger story than what we see in the news. We're in a bigger story than a Netflix show. We're in a much bigger story than we can even begin to grasp. If that's true, then what does it mean for my life right here and right now? Well, let's look at what this says in Ephesians chapter two, starting with verse number four. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were, listen, dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved, and he raises us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Verse 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not of your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. In verse 10, this is the key to the whole thing. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in Him. We are His workmanship, masterpiece. God is up to something in each of us because He raised Jesus from the grave. Graveyards are God's workbench. Graveyards is where God decides he's going to do his best work. You say, well, I, I had a, my grandpa, my mom's dad, I loved going in his shop, and I would walk around there. It was probably dangerous for a little kid to go with thousands of things I could cut my hand off, but I'd walk in there and he'd just that smell of sawdust. Anybody, anybody know a family member that just had a workbench and it was sort of in order, but there was stuff all over the place. It kind of looked slightly messy, slightly organized. Come on. Any of you have a workbench like that? And I loved that as a kid walking in there and you'd hear the sounds, ring. Ree- you'd see sawdust flying everywhere. He called it man glitter, all right? I love it. But here's the thing. God does his best work in graveyards. When things seem they're at their absolute worst, he says, give it to me and watch what I can do. You say, okay, I understand the resurrection happened. What does it mean for us today? How does this change my life? You understand that just as what I just read, we are his workmanship. Yes, the crown jewel, the accent of all of human history was a resurrection. But you understand that that's, that's the lens. That's through which we see what he's going to do in us. The high point of his, his, his ability was to raise Jesus from the dead. But the point is, is that although that was a masterpiece, the Bible says that you are his workmanship. What he did in the empty tomb 2,000 years ago, he wants to do in each of us today, through our lives. And any sort of death, any sort of decay, any sort of graveyard, we look at and say, I guess that's the end. What can God do with this? But when we look to the empty tomb, we say, He can do a lot with this. God's workbench is a graveyard. He works with failure. He works with people who have faults. He works with people with need. The only thing you need to be used by God is need. Oh, that our pulpits would understand this. I have nothing to offer you in the way of worldly wisdom and advice and therapy, all I can do is point you to the cross, point you to the empty tomb and say, let him do the work in you. That's all you need. That's all you need is Jesus at work in your life. As a born-again believer, it's no longer me or you who live. You're done. The old you is dead And the one who lives is actually Christ in you. Your life has been placed on the workbench of God, and he's making you into his masterpiece. Not, by the way, because you're the world's best materials. Of course God wants to make me into a masterpiece. I mean, it's not that hard. No. All you can offer him is death. (laughs) That's what Paul says, I was dead in my sins, and he made me alive. You understand this is a pattern throughout Scripture, and it needs to be. You need to drink this in this morning that all you can offer Him is death, but it's God's specialty of turning death into life, right? He turns sorrow into joy. He turns mourning into dancing. He turns angerness, anger into happiness. He turns strife into peace. He, he, he turns frustration into contentment. He turns bitterness into forgiveness. He turns confusion into clarity. He turns regret into renewal. He turns pain into comfort. He turns hate into love. And no doubt that if we place our faith in him, that becomes the newness of life in us. What does it mean to become God's masterpiece? How does that change everything? You say, if it's no longer me who's alive, and it's truly Christ who lives in me, if he's forgiven me, canceled my debts, welcomed me into his family, why is life so tough? It's a good question. Here's what I want us to focus on in our remaining time today is masterpieces, workmanship. Although there is a moment where we are welcomed into the family, it is a lifelong process. It is a lifelong process. Does it hurt becoming God's masterpiece? Yes. Ask the tree if it hurts being cut down. Ask the tree and the wood if it hurts being fashioned into something marvelous, right? Sanded, bent, shaped, cut with hundreds of tiny precise cuts until one day the wood becomes something magnificent. Is it painful? Of course, right? Ask, ask a chunk of steel if it hurts getting hammered with the hammer of its creator over and over again, forged in fire until it becomes something able to perform at its highest ability. It hurts, and becoming a masterpiece is supposed to. By the way, does it take time? Yes. Does it take time? Yes. Just just ask an open canvas if it takes some time for the artist to begin to paint one color here and there, one shape Beginning to emerge. You don't throw it all on the canvas and voila. It's meticulous, it's intentional, and it takes time. That's why the deepest hurts of our soul, God working that out is a process. It takes time and it's supposed to. Does it sometimes feel like being God's workmanship, like you're actually going backwards? Yes. Does it actually feel like I'm I'm going, I'm worse off than I were before? Yes, just ask the seed that that the farmer scatters in the ground, buried, no sunlight, no ability to see what's going on above them, simply emerged, submerged in the dirt until one day a little crack of sunlight comes through and before long a harvest comes. So, does it seem like you're going backwards at times? Yes, it's supposed to. That means God's working on you. Some of you need to hear that today. It feels like I've been going backwards. Good. It changes everything, the way He works on us. Is it impossible to see what God is doing in us, through us, for us? You know the answer. Yes. It is impossible to see. Just, just ask a clump of mud that a potter picks up and places on the stool and begins to shape if it sees the finished product. No, it doesn't see the finished product. But little by little, it begins to take shape. See, I, I think I know what the potter's doing. And slowly and meticulously, it begins to become a, a vase, a bowl, something that the potter says, I can make this chunk of mud into something amazing. You see, it's, it's supposed to take time. It's supposed to be a process. That's the way God makes us into his masterpiece. So because we realize the story we've been caught up into and because we see that graveyards is where God does his work, it changes everything changes everything. First of all, I realize I'm not the hero of that story. Not. I don't, I don't have the top billing on the poster. Life on earth starring Jonathan Yandel. No. I, I'm a side part. And, w- and when you swallow that, you realize how liberating that is? I'm not the star of this universe. I can't fix everything. I can't carry everybody's burdens. I can't turn things around, but Jesus can. Here's an interesting thing, though, about that fact. Although we're not the star, he pulls each of us up on stage and says, come share in my spotlight. (laughs) He did it with the disciples and said, after the resurrection, you guys got this i going to intercede for you in the divine session at the right hand of the Father. Go into all the world. You guys now have the responsibility. So not only do we realize the story that we've been caught into, musicians, if you'd come, but we realize that when things are at their darkest, it's when God gets his workbench ready and says, let's get to work. Let's get to work. Because he lives, he's still working on me. I'm thankful for my position in Him, I'm thankful for the forgiveness of sins but I also realize we are his workmanship created in advance for good works and as we see him at work in our lives get ready to one day look back and say he's making me into something he's making me into something if you would bow your heads and close your eyes what in your life do you deem as dead what do you see with your natural eye as there being no way out what do you look at in your abilities to the greatest you can and you look at and say that's over that regret is going to haunt me the rest of my life I'm I'm always going to have this sin hanging around I'm always going to have this problem look to the empty tomb And then look at what he's doing in us. You are his workmanship. You are his canvas. And whether you see it or not, whether you feel it or not, whether you can see the end result or not, he is crafting you. Does the clay have any right to tell the potter what to do? No. Understand, He is not giving up on you. He's still working on you. And He can take your death, your decay, your despair, your destruction, your loneliness, your bitterness, your doubts, your confusion, your frustrations, and He can turn that around. How do I know that? Because it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Hey, thanks again for listening to the Summit Church Podcast. We hope today you enjoyed the content and what God was speaking to you today. Again, we'd love to connect with you more by going to Ardmoresummit.church. Join us Sunday mornings at 11 a.m. in Ardmore, Oklahoma at 1725 North Commerce Street. Take care and be blessed.